0: In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well,
1: he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is funny. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts-Jackson, and he
0: scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, here with Is now in.
2: Happy Monday to each and every one of you. Glad to be back after a weekend. It was almost kind of well, I was gonna say it was a three-day weekend because we were void of sports on Friday. Music! Music took over on Friday. Had a great time with that. Appreciate all the feedback from listeners, and our guests are still talking about the selections and not only were the guests talking about their own selections, they were talking about the other guest selections and they were talking about our selections. So thanks to everyone who participated on Friday's show, our TC Martin show song fest and our listeners who really enjoyed it as well too. It was a lot of fun and I know what's going to happen now. We're going to have to find another time to do it again. Numb Chuck's already talking about it, but there you go. All right, so good selections, good time on Friday. And uh, hopefully everyone had a good weekend.
1: And mercifully,
2: NFL preseason is
1: over. Thank goodness. Yeah, I'm certainly not sad to see the uh, preseason uh, be done with. Uh, maybe the Ravens are. I mean, they seem to love preseason. They've won like 30 in a row now or whatever. So, Don't exaggerate. It's only 20. Uh, whatever it is, it, 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 it's ridiculous. <laughs> 20 in preseason is like 30 in regular season. I, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, I mean, you know. But, um, uh, yeah, the, the music show, I had a couple people ask me, what was that one song you – Everybody was freaking out that I played waterfalls. I'm like, well, I could show you the list of like 70 80 songs I had and there'd be other ones that would probably shock you as well. Yeah. So, yes, I, I am a little bit more eclectic. It's not all head banging and all that sort of stuff for me. Although, I do like that stuff as well. So, but um no, it was interesting. It was fun. It was different. I uh watched uh channel 3 uh the the sports extra last night to see if B-cell was had finally quit singing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he finally did. But he was still kind of dancing a little bit I'm around sure, there. So. I'm sure that they edited that part out. He probably still was. Yeah, he might have been. But yeah. uh, but he was, you know, semi-doing the sports mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, too, at the time. So Jesse was covering the Raiders mm-hmm. stuff. And then he was talking about some other things going on. So, But, uh, but yeah, but uh, I, I'm sure he was singing all throughout Walmart the day that he was <laughs> walking through there.
2: Yeah, if you, if you missed it on Friday, again, uh, some of our favorite songs that we played... And uh, this was actually one of Frank's, uh, where which I loved, by the way, because of course I, I I love TLC, I love this song. Apparently, you liked it as well too. It caught people by off uh, off guard. But it's funny you're talking about how people were shocked about your selection of this. I don't want to say people were shocked, but they said. I knew every song, and a couple of different people said, except I didn't know that one song that Frank had, that Apocalyptica or Apocalyptica. Oh, Apocalyptica, right? Exactly. And I said, "Oh, that's what, what, what that was." They go, "Yeah." I go, "I didn't, uh, I, I didn't uh, uh, know exactly what that was." But uh, man, does he really feel that way about his brother? <laughs> and I said, Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like wow, that was a little dark moment. But uh, hey, uh, we're real here, you know. And, and, and I
1: went with the with the more mellow song because you wouldn't let me play "Death on Two Legs." Right, so. right.
2: <laughs> not that I wouldn't let you. Uh, Wasn't was it at all? At all? Well, you advised yeah. against it. Yeah.
1: Although I was not yeah. the only one on the list that had had that song in their potential yeah. repertoire.
2: You and our guest today, Trevor Maddox. She's back again today, and I, and I promised uh, that we'd have him back so we could actually talk college football today. So Trevor Maddox will join us, and and again, he loved you know talking about the uh the song fest show on Friday when we had him on like Thursday before we'd even get to the college football so we're going to have him on today and a good time to have him on today too because his uh, special on ESPN aired yesterday actually Saturday and Sunday on ESPN and ESPN2 you know Trevor's uh college football uh you know travels so we'll talk to him about that but yeah a uh, big thank you to Trevor Maddich, Bill Cartwright, Brian Salman, Steve Sachs, Tim Brando, Pete Gillen, Tony the Tiger Lopez, BJ Armstrong, Kevin Krueger, UNLV's very own there, uh, Steve Berline, Chris Bosio, Heidi Fang, Houston Nutt. Uh, all of those people participated, and it did have a flashback to Serial Madness for me because uh, we go ahead and we extend the invite, and everybody says, nope, I'm in. So, again, just appreciate... All of those guys who are regular guests who take the time and appear on the show and are willing to go outside of the box a little bit as well, too. And I got to say that for me, it, it's special. It's cool because every one of those guys and gals are, are friends and it's really cool for them to take the time and, and do that. And, and again, I, you just never really hear that with a lot of other shows where you have that deep of a guest list, but they're willing to go out and say, hey, I'll talk cereal with you. We'll talk music. Uh, let's have some fun and be uh, and being all-in with that. And so, uh, yeah, the response was, uh, was very good, very cool, and uh, I appreciate you, Nunchuck. uh All of us uh, put in a lot of work, probably more work to do that show with the timing and everything more so than our, our regular sports talk show that takes place for two hours every day
1: yeah and like i say it was a lot of fun it was interesting i i didn't realize when we first started talking about it how hard it was going to be to whittle it down to just Mm -hmm. a few songs here and there and what ones to put in and what ones not to with the time with the mood with everything else out there so no it was a lot of fun and uh you know and then even some people you mentioned all the people that were there and others like an al bernstein who was on his way to a fight so he couldn't participate Mm but he he wanted to and of course he's a singer himself and that kind of stuff and uh I wonder if we can get him to do the uh, Apocalypse uh, song on, uh, at, at his lounge, act before the next fights he's here. He was talking about he might do some Metallica or something, but I don't know if he'd go that dark. I don't think he would. <laughs> I, I don't think he would. Because uh, you know, Al is, he likes a lot of genres, but when he
2: performs, especially there at the Tuscany, he, stay, he really sticks to the Great American Songbook, for the most part.
1: Well, and I, even if he liked this song, it might not be in his wheelhouse to sing that particular song. Right, right, right.
2: <laughs> Great stuff. All right, uh preseason football is over, thank goodness, and we're about that time where we officially turn the the calendar in our business here in the sports talk radio business because really when September clicks, that's that's our like a new calendar year for us. It's like January because football, everything basically, you know, starts afresh. Uh it's just a, it's just a great feeling. Everyone's looking forward to football season. So yeah, this kind of felt like uh, you know, a couple days after christmas watching the final preseason football game last night between the Cleveland Browns and um whoever they played last night i was watching <laughs> uh,
1: I, I was watching a so called fight at the time so <laughs> yeah. that, that was on oh, one geez. tv way back in the back of the corner yeah. thing so
2: yeah yeah so um yeah good good that the preseason football is over i know john gruden is glad it's over because the raiders really got out of this preseason uh pretty much injury-free for the most part. Uh, he, they were 2-1, and, and a little bit of a disappointment for those old-school Raider fans who still reside in Oakland, the Bay Area, who went to um, you know Levi Stadium to see the Raiders play the Niners yesterday, and they saw nothing uh, of what the Raiders are going to look like here in two weeks when they open the season of Monday Night Football at Allegiant Stadium. You had no Derek Carr, you had no Josh, you had nobody. I mean, all, and these guys didn't even make the trip.
1: And, I, and it was somewhere around 20 players didn't even make the trip. Yeah, I think 50-something made it out of the 80 or so right. that are still on the roster. Yeah. And, of course, that's going to be narrowed down to 53 after tomorrow. Right.
2: So, yeah, roster cuts you know, tomorrow, and we do have that extra week. So here's my thing with this. Okay, three games of the preseason, that's fantastic. I love that. But here's the bad part. The bad part was so many starters – specifically the skill position guys, the quarterbacks and the running backs and wide receivers not playing. And you have some of your highest paid players in the National Football League on both sides of the ball that are are not playing at all. Here's some of the people that never saw the field during this preseason. They didn't play one snap. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, and all with teams that have some major question marks. Now, you might want to say, well, wait a minute. The Green Bay Packers, they're going to be a playoff team. They could be a Super Bowl contender. True, but with all of the offseason circus stuff that was going on with Aaron Rodgers and the way you know the, the Packers ended last season with their loss to Tampa Bay and, and they lost some players on both sides of the ball, There's a lot of question marks there as well, too. But you have guys like Dak Prescott, who's coming off of an injury. Hardly played at all last season. You got guys like Matthew Stafford, who's playing with a new team this year. Okay? In my viewpoint, everybody needs snaps. And I'm not saying that These players and these quarterbacks need to play every preseason game, but they need to play some in the preseason, some meaningful snaps. I like the way the Cleveland Browns approached their game last night when they had Baker Mayfield basically play the first three series, and they were out there pretty much with their starting unit, and they pretty much rolled down the field. They had like 280 yards in the first half, and they were trying to set a tone here. The Browns went 3-0 and in preseason, and the Browns need to do that, and they need to get some semblance of chemistry, like all teams do. And the Atlanta Falcons, who they played last night, they made up their mind prior to week number one that they said, hey, we don't want to get anybody hurt, but we don't want to show anybody any of our offense. They want to get as vanilla as possible. Matt Ryan, one of those guys I mentioned, did not play a snap during the course of the preseason. And... A team like Atlanta that has a new head coach, you have new coordinators, you've got a lot of new players, a lot of young players that are trying to make the team here, I'm telling you right now, especially with this extra week, the Atlanta Falcons are going to struggle. And these are teams that you can go against, teams that you can bet against, that aren't ready for the season whatsoever. And Matt Ryan is getting up in there in age. He doesn't have Julio Jones anymore. So, you know, for me, I look at players that they need to play. And especially guys that are going with new teams or you have new coordinators, you got new personnel. And the thing about it is it, it prevents injuries. We've seen people that, that rest players and then they end up getting hurt, whether they pull a hamstring earlier on or whatever. We see it with baseball. We see it in basketball, the NBA. But with football, you need that team rhythm. You need that chemistry, You know, especially with only three preseason games, limited time that you can get out there. And my big point here is, For the first time ever, none of these players have had two weeks from their last preseason game until the season opener where you're playing some meaningful football. So for me, this is going
1: to hurt some teams, and players need to play. Well, I mean, I I know that there's some people that think that. Some coaches think that. That's why some coaches play their starters and others. Uh, Some of them, like Matt Stafford's situation, the Rams had mentioned before the season started he wasn't going to take a snap. We knew he wasn't taking a snap the entire preseason. Same thing with Rodgers. You know, he didn't take yeah, one last yeah, year. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's not surprising mm-hmm. with some because it is a different philosophy. I guess time will tell how it plays out. But what it also shows to me, at least what I see from it in a lot of coaches' standpoints, the preseason games are completely meaningless to some of them. Those joint practices where the starters go against each other, when the cameras aren't rolling, when they can still do coaching and stop something or do something like that. That is more important to a lot of the coaches, obviously, than the preseason games. That's where they get the snaps. That's where they go against the other teams, number ones against number ones and things like that. And it is interesting because I always think it's interesting when they're like, well, we don't want to get somebody hurt in the preseason. They can get hurt doing a drill. We see injuries all the time, non-contact injuries and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, unless they're living in a bubble, there's a chance they can get hurt. You don't know what's going to happen. I, I do think it's interesting. You mentioned the thing about the the two weeks before the season starts now. So it's like it, it's not that the preseason is any shorter. It's just that the last week of it, there's no games whatsoever. Correct. Right. So it, it, it's a different time. You know, the preseason shorter. The regular season is a game longer. You have all these questions at quarterback and different things in so many different places. Uh, I'm curious to see what's going on in Jacksonville since they're back up now, they got rid of him, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, Trevor Lawrence, here you go. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions of a lot of teams out there, and you mentioned the Raiders. Peterman took every snap in the preseason. What's the over-under and how many he's going to get in regular season? He's zero? the third-string yeah. quarterback. right? I zero. mean, if he's taking a snap... They have a major problem. <laughs> well, here's the thing too. More than likely he's not going to be activated for any games. Exactly. That's I what I'm saying. Mean, that I mean, no one they activates they have a three problem quarterbacks. somebody else is injured right. and he's got to be in as a backup and then he gets in in a game cuz someone gets hurt. So, mm-hmm. the guy that took every single snap is not expected to get one in 17 games. And I don't care how much of a
2: veteran you are. Whether you're Aaron Rodgers or you're Derek Carr, especially, like I said, with these teams that have so many question marks, Raiders' perfect example. You've got new personnel. You've got to build a winning culture. And you need to have that chemistry. You need to have that timing. You need snaps. You can replicate only so much in a practice, especially when you're going against your own guys. And I know what you're talking about, about – the uh you know, the joint practices with the other teams, but those aren't game situations. No, I know they're not. But not I'm not even saying, close but, to game but situations. But obviously, in some coaches' minds, they're just as important, if not yeah. more important, because they don't want to take the risk of someone getting hurt. And like you said, maybe showing off you know some of your offense and that sort of thing. But the bottom line is this: you're going for for guys like Carr. You are going basically. Eight months, seven months, six months from whatever your last game was at the end of December, January, February, March. You know, so eight months without having a meaningful snap with your teammates and you're getting thrown into the fire in a game. And in practice, you're just going against your own team. You're going against heavy fire. You're going against blitz uh uh schemes you know from from the defense they're going to come after you and i'm telling you do not expect any of these quarterbacks that haven't played a single snap in eight months to come out on fire it's not going to happen and you look at some of these quarterbacks oh they won the job this and that well yeah against backups people are talking about trevor lawrence you just brought him up trevor lawrence lawrence is going to get thrown to the wolves and it was a big question mark how you know, would he be the number one quarterback? What, is he going to be the starter? Well, they anointed him the starter, and they're saying, hey, he looked great in this weekend's game. And then deep dive against two, against all backups. A majority of those guys that he went against in, in this weekend's game are never going to see a field on any team. They're cut. They're gone. And now week one, you're chomping at the bit. Now, granted, they get a chance to play the Houston Texans. Okay, it is the Houston Texans, but they are a professional football team. They're still going to have uh, their number one guys out there. And Trevor Lawrence is going to struggle, even though it gets a lowly Houston Texans who have, what, an under-over of, what, three and a half wins? Uh, they stink, granted, but I want to see what Matt Stafford does with a new team. I want to see what Jared Goff does. Uh, Jared Goff played, I think, you know, two series the entire preseason, These guys are going to struggle, and and you just can't replicate that in these joint practices. But back to the Raiders like you're talking about, yeah, with Carr and all these guys just not having that until a real game. And, oh, by the way, who are you going up against? A team that probably has the best chemistry – you know, the Baltimore Ravens, that's who they're going to see in,
1: on on their opener Monday night. A, a team that does play their <laughs> starters in that, and they ha- already know how to win. And come even after though, it on even defense. Even though they are only preseason games, yeah. they, they they have that confidence in everything. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 and it's interesting. And, and, you know, and that's where the coaching philosophies come in and what the coaches believe and, you know, how much work. And, you know, it's funny because everybody that I've ever heard in professional sports, no matter what sport it is, the one thing they always say is you can't. you you can't have game speed in practice or anything else you have to play a game and yet all these coaches apparently think that that's not the case for preseason football when they don't play anybody if if you can't assimilate game speed and you can't imitate game speed then why wouldn't you at least give a couple of snaps of game speed even if it's not necessarily against the number one string of the other team like the Raiders yesterday I mean you know, the 49ers had their starters in there. The whole half. <laughs> the, the Raiders yep. basically, like he said, yep. they not only weren't in the game. They weren't even in the city. Yep. Stay back here and, you know, catch the game at the facility or something like that. There is, You have to be prepared. No
2: matter what sport, as a coach, you have to have your team prepared. And it, I can't look at a lot of these teams and saying that you are fully prepared, especially where you are going two weeks With nothing but practices and some walkthroughs. You know, the heavy hitting and all that stuff, it's gone now. Because if you're not going to risk that during your last exhibition
1: game, you're sure the heck not going to risk it in your own practice, right? Well, and especially with the rules today, with the Players Association and all that stuff. They can't do two a day. They they already have it way watered down. That's one of the things we hear from a lot of the old vets in that. It's like you you can't get the team ready even if you do play in the preseason games. And then you take opportunities to play them and you don't play them. It it will be interesting to see which quarterbacks struggle in that. The one advantage that some teams have, and we saw the – Tampa Bay do it last year because they weren't great at the start of the season, but they got better every week, which is the goal. But there are 17 games to try to make up for things now. Now, you don't want to get too far behind, and like in a case like the Raiders, where Kansas City's expected to once again run away with the division, it's almost like they're playing for a wild card at the start of the season. So you don't want to get out of the gate slow, as the old adage goes. You can't win a playoff spot in the first few games of the season, but you can sure as hell lose one. Yeah, and it really depends on each coach's philosophy. Patrick Mahomes, he
2: played. He played this weekend. He played the weekend before. He was getting some meaningful reps, and Kansas City looked pretty good doing it. You know, and it's one thing if you've got quarterback competitions, okay, like you have in New in New England with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, and those guys are vying. And the Patriots played pretty well because when you have that type of competition and you've got your number one guys out there for at least a quarter, uh, that that's going to bode well for your team all the way around. It's and look what people are talking about with Mac Jones right now. I mean, this guy he could take the job. Bill Belichick has not named a starter yet, and he's waiting. Even though he said Cam Newton is, is is our guy, but the way Mac Jones has played, and Mac Jones did all of this, basically behind a second unit and an offensive line, and you know so, but that's good for your football team. I just can't believe, especially when you're a struggling football team like the Raiders, you're a 500 team at best, and you, you are not going to have your main guys out there at least for two or three series a game. In the preseason, especially when you've got two weeks before you get it on for real. now I say advantage to those teams like Kansas City, like Cleveland, and
1: other teams, uh, New England, that are putting their guys out there and giving them some meaningful reps. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, and because you're talking about some of the teams that do have quarterback battles or mm-hmm. controversy or, or at least perceived by the public and in the media in some places. You know, I'm a big Bears fan, You know, and there's a lot of controversy. Oh, is Justin Fields going to play right away? And people point to some of the positive things he's done. But when you remember that Buffalo game, which was, to me, the telling game of the preseason for them, he can't pick up simple blitzes, and, they, and they're not throwing anything complicated at anybody right now. Justin Fields is not ready to go. I don't care what some of his numbers look like at one point. You signed Andy Dalton to that big contract. I know Nagy wants to win because he figures his job might be on the line. But if you want to win down the road and in the future, you use Andy Dalton right now. It's really not a quarterback you know, contest at this point. You're right. Andy Dalton should be the quarterback. Justin Fields should stand on the sideline holding a clipboard, learning the NFL game, even though he was surprised at how it wasn't as fast as he thought. Well, was Buffalo fast enough for you when they almost decapitated you? I mean, you know, people want to look at the positives, but that's what film and that's what coaches do to look at the things that you don't do. If you can't pick up a simple blitz in preseason, you are going to get obliterated in the regular season. So some things are perceived as competition by the media or by the fans that really aren't or at least shouldn't be. As a Bears fan, if I see Fields starting week one, I'm gonna be ticked off beyond all. I mean, it's, it's There's no reason for it. Yeah,
2: and the Bears, if they follow their most recent uh, model, which they did last year, Trubisky started off great, and then a little bit of struggle in in, in week four and five. Boom! Oh, you're gone. That's it. Yeah, Not, you're relegated to the bench for the rest of the way, and now you're you're relegated out of town.
1: And and maybe this, that's too much of a quick hook, like, kind of like with Schnell down in you know, definitely. That, that, like like a pitcher that's yes. taken out too yeah. soon. Sometimes you can ruin it. That's why I think Trubisky was okay. I'll be a backup someplace. Apparently, I'm not a starter. Well, of course he wants to be a starter, but the thing
2: is, he, he's in that situation now where it's like, wow, I, I just got I I got the hook. The Bears got no no need for me. Again, why did you draft him then? And again, he was having probably his best season at that point in time, and that uh, that part and again but no we got to we got to get away from this guy because we know that he's probably not our future so let's let's get rid of him now then why even start him so again yeah Andy Dalton is not in the bears future at all but they're going to go with him and you're right they should because he will give you the best opportunity to win right now yeah, he will. And, and, and Fields needs to kick back and, and and watch the game. He does, because you're right. He it's just be a tackling dummy like Trevor Lawrence is going to be in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I mean we can look at you know, you can look at Lanson San Fran. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. places like that, you know. And some guys and, and, and I know there's gonna be some people out there that are thinking, well, you know, sometimes you gotta take your lumps as it Troy Aikman, I believe, is one in fifteen his first season. Okay. Maybe he shouldn't have played right away, but he did get experience. He didn't get hurt, so it worked out for him. But you're really rolling the dice with the investment and everything this day. The last thing you want is Justin Fields to make a call like that in a regular season game where somebody's blitzing in and they're a starter, and all of a sudden, like Burrow last year. And again, I'm not even saying, I'm not criticizing Cincinnati for playing him because I thought he should have played. He was having a a great rookie season. He happened to get hit and he happened to get hurt. But if Fields gets hurt like that, it's because he leaves himself open. At this point, he's not ready mentally to take on the NFL game, from what I've seen. Yeah.
2: And this is going to be a thing of the future that we've seen right now. Okay, you've got three preseason games, and you've got coaches. They're 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 going to rest their guys. That that's what they want to do. And I got to believe that we are going to get to a point now because, like you said, the preseason games are deemed meaningless that they are just going to go to no preseason games, which I think the players' union will sign off automatically, but that's also going to trigger, okay, now we've got to play an 18th game, at least. <laughs> oh, this know, is it, just it, 17
1: yeah. games is a stepping stone yeah. to 18. It, this no is question. the buffer zone to, for the owners to get the 18 they want. Right. And, you know, in a weird kind of way, as a fan, I'd rather have 18 with no preseason. 100%. because, Because, again, yeah. y- you're up in San Fran or you're up in some of these games – You're paying the same price for tickets in the preseason games and you're seeing nobody? As a fan, I'm going, yeah, the hell with it. Get rid of the other preseason game. I'll save a game on my ticket package and every game I see will actually be meaningful. Yeah, because again, you have to pay for that.
2: And it's on you as a season ticket holder to dump your tickets, sell your tickets for whatever you can, or give them away, or if you want to sit through it. But you're paying, you know, regardless. But. Yeah, this, and I'm fine with that. At this point in time, there is no need for preseason games if you're going to treat it like this. And before, and I'll go back, you know, five, six years ago, maybe even a few years ago, where you would still see these players, these star players, would play in every game. Now, again, in, in week four. That's okay, fine. Dr- you know, week 3 was the dress rehearsal, but they would play in weeks 1 and weeks 2. Maybe you'd play a quarter, maybe play two or three series. That's it. But at least you're getting into your routine and you're playing on a regular basis. And this week off thing, this dead week until you you get out there and play in 2 weeks, it will be a factor. But again, this is a thing of the future and just like everything else we see, once somebody else does it, it's a copycat league. It's well, all sports is copycat. It's a copycat world. It is hundred percent. So it'll be interesting to see how these teams that we're talking about, how they operate and how they play and how they look in week number one. You know, coming up here uh, a week from this weekend.
1: Now, and I know there's going to be some people out there too going, "Well, what? Why wouldn't they do 18 games and then still do two preseason games or something?" Which is a chance they could do something like that. But I tend to agree with you that they might get rid of all of them. I am curious to see if they would keep at least one. Just for the fact of because if they got rid of all preseason games, now you're also affecting the Hall of Fame game that kicks off the season. So you're, you know, you're changing all those ceremonies and things like that. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but 18 regular season games seems like something. It's not a question of if, but when. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Trevor Madich
2: is going to join us. Tony Fisher also is going to join us. Tony, the former running back with the Green Bay Packers and the Rams, uh, a great college player at Notre Dame. Uh, He will join us uh, as well. He's the director of Packer uh, alumni relations, and we're going to get his take of the Aaron Rodgers situation and what training camp was like there in green bay this year so a lot of football on tap here today but we come back trevor madge is going to talk a little college football we had some games last weekend all blowout variety but this weekend college football is back the tc martin show is back yes yes what are you doing it's just a have to
1: yes this is my favorite part of the game tc martin yes in the faith the doctor is now in yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
2: Well, look what Numbchuck is doing! He knows Trevor Maddich is coming, so he's going to blast Trevor Maddich's song! Yeah! Should I, should I go back to my DJ voice? Earth, wind and fire and a fantasy on a Monday with the guru of all of football! The 15-time Emmy Award winner, Trevor Maddich! Yeah! Take it away, big boy! Well, that that
0: was his cue. Now no, nope. oh, I, I was too much into the song. And I'm dancing over here, CC. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk over this. This is awesome. Yeah, I tell you what, that that song connects so much to my experience, my senior year at BYU when we were on the way to win the national championship. Both when the fire called it fantasy, we called it dream. It's the same kind of thing. We all will live. Forever as one. And every time we get together, man, that's the feeling. I just love that song. Yeah.
1: yeah. Trevor was dancing like Robbie Bosco did around that Michigan defense that day. <laughs> oh, there you go.
0: Uh, nice call there. Of course. There he is. Yeah, and we could talk about it now because we didn't have to face him again. <laughs> that's some good players, man. I tell you what, they nose guard, Michigan's nose guard was one of only two players in Michigan history mm-hmm. to be first team all Big Ten all four years they played. And that was his sophomore year. So he was in the second year, at the end of the second year, of being first team all Big Ten. That guy was a he was a, a handful, that's for sure. So, you know, that was the game for us.
2: All right, memories, no question about it. Ch- championship yep. for Trevor Manch and the BYU Cougars, the last of its
0: kind, 1984. Right? Yeah, there's not been a team in the modern era who, outside of what is currently the Power Five or Notre Dame, who has won the national championship, except uh, except for BYU. So BYU is not exactly Group of Five right now. We were at the time that uh, that we played, although Group of Five didn't exist. But yeah, no, it's not happened before this year. Cincinnati, I think, has a has a chance, a legitimate chance, because they've got the schedule and they've got the talent to actually break their way into the playoffs. So we'll see if it happens for a second time in twenty twenty
2: one. There you go. All right, and uh, before we leave the the our music song fest on Friday, Trevor, I had so many people that said. Wow, I didn't expect that from Trevor. And we got that from a few different guests, and they got it like from Frank, uh, who's really a a hard rocker uh, at at heart. But when you came with Fantasy, people said, I didn't see that coming. But they got to remember that we all have, you know... A different genres in our blood so to speak you know we can all go to different sides and especially when you go to uh, from that queen song that you were talking about death before, on two legs. Yeah, death on two legs to fantasy cost
0: appeal by off guard but I- i'm glad you went fantasy because one of my all-time favorites yeah and, and the thing is i'm a fan of good music period i don't care about the genre you know a, a good groove or a good story or a good musical or lyrical hook uh, I don't care about the genre, man. I love that. It's like right. movies. You know, I love really any kind of movie. I don't care if it's animated or claymation or a western or sci-fi. If it's a good story, well told. And so, you know, when I, when I drive down the road, I will pull out YouTube on a playlist, not even Spotify or anything like that. I'll just YouTube. i make my own. And I just play it through my Bluetooth in my car. I don't watch it, but I, I listen to it. And it is utterly crazy what I will pull up that songs back to back will be, you know, I'll have Hank Jr. And then I'll have cool in the game. Right. And then I'll have Prince and then I'll have kiss. And it just, it just varies. It just, I just, good music is an art form that I think is really hard to hit correctly, especially, you know, as um, you know, the, the, the great singer songwriters and the great bands of yesteryear have kind of faded. You know, I think we we're seeing a little bit less of that now.
2: Yep. Well put, my friend. Trevor managed the 15-time Emmy Award winner, just concluded Trevor's college football tour, except this year he had to do it virtually. And uh, great job. I-, I watched it yesterday on ESPN. And aside from not being on campus, Trevor, and putting thousands of miles on your car and listening to maybe 600 songs uh, via YouTube on your Bluetooth, uh, what was the biggest difference for you in putting the special together this year?
0: You know, it was it was a real, a real blessing to be able to get it done at all, T.C., because of COVID. I mean, for people that don't know, every year for more than a decade, I would drive around the country in my own car, paying for the gas myself, the hotels myself, and just visit campuses. And I'll literally leave Nashville, and I'll end up at the corners of the country. I'll hit USC, Washington, Wisconsin, Texas A&M, Miami, you know, Notre Dame and Michigan and everything in between. And I'll put in ten to 12,000 miles a year doing that. And, uh, you know, last year we couldn't do it because of COVID at all. Um, and really, in recent years, they've sent camera crews back out to the schools with me uh, to about four of them. And we've done little mini features that have run individually on SportsCenter and on .com. And also they put into a SportsCenter special as a half-hour special of this tour. And it's been tremendous fun in the schools are loving it. I mean, we're getting calls from schools all the time saying, hey, can we be on? You know, we have this and this and this. that might be good topics. So so it's really taking on a life of its own. Well, this year, because of COVID, we still couldn't go out. Um, I couldn't go because I didn't want to be that one little bee pollinating all the schools, you know, with COVID. So I stayed away from them. You know, the ones that I did go to because I had to, like BYU had me there for their um, media day. Those kinds of things we did, social distancing and masks and all that. But for the most part, I had to do this year on the phone. So I called everybody up, and they were they were you know very gracious to talk to me and give me a lot of good info because they know that I put in the work. I just don't sit in the air conditioning and call. I'll show up when I can. And so what we did was we picked four schools anyway this year. And instead of sending a camper crew back out there, we did interviews from remote, from Zoom, and we um, – I had a virtual world that i was in i was in the stadium and i was in a meeting room it was just amazing i was on a green screen the whole time of course but the way it all got put together looks absolutely phenomenal Emma Reed, shout out to her. She's our editor that kind of made everything happen. So we were still able to do it this year. So we still got to really dig in to four very important schools this year with very important players and talk to those players, talk about what those schools might be able to accomplish this year, and we have the special ready to go.
2: Yeah, and uh, I watch it every year, Trevor. And I was anytime you're talking about virtual and you're doing zooms, it, we're kind of taken aback by at least I am. But then again, we're so used to it as we're seeing, you know, play by play now you know called from homes and studios and that sort of thing it really came across good it did you know the virtual stadium that you're talking about in the meeting rooms it the production element really was good so i mean kudos to you espn you know your editors uh, they did they did a fantastic job now i know you visited clemson georgia oregon and cincinnati when i say visited you di- you know virtually but this this is uh, these are the four teams that you talked to this year which one of these programs left you
0: by when you were done with this by saying, wow. You know what? They all did for different reasons. And I'll tell you, the first one that that really stood out was Clemson because we wanted to talk to the defense. Last time we saw this defense, they were giving up, I think it was, 49 points to Ohio State in the playoff. They were getting shelled. And what I discovered in my conversations with people uh, at Clemson on the phone in preparation for all this, is that this defense could be the best that Dabo Sweeney's ever had. Now, the 2014 and 2018 defenses might have something to say about that, but this group is built in a very similar way as those defenses with a a deep, talented, disruptive defensive line, one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country, experienced linebacker with James Skalski coming back as a super senior and others, and a secondary that looks to be strong. And so they'll need to be that good in the opener against uh, Georgia. But that's one thing that really struck me was that instead of saying, yeah, the defense will be pretty good, but really it's the offense and D.J. Uyunglele and that big arm, that's what's going to – nope, they said do not sleep on this defense. It could be their very best ever.
1: We were talking earlier at the start about how difficult it was for us to pick our songs in that music show we did on Friday. How difficult is it for you to pick what schools you're going to to do this every year? Because like you mentioned, everybody wants a little bit of publicity. They all want to be seen and let people know what they're doing in that. And I mean, it would seem like you have an array that you can just kind of pick and choose where you want to. But how do you narrow it down and what's the criteria that you finally go, all right, these are the ones I'm going with for this season?
0: you know that's a great question and and the good news is that i don't have to be the one to narrow it down so i'm never the bad guy <laughs> and that's that's a good thing what i do is i pitch these ideas to people upstairs and then they decide which ones they want to go with then they talk to you know they talk to the people at these schools and they talk about what logistics are and what might happen and then they end up narrowing down into four schools but really the criteria are a couple of things one of them is is there something about them that people want to know? For example, um, before COVID, two years ago, um, 2019 season, we looked at Oklahoma's defense because Oklahoma had had put up two consecutive Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Their offense was world class, national championship caliber, but the defense is what held them back. And so, like, in the the playoffs against Georgia, for example, you know, Georgia had to score like maniacs in order to keep up with that Oklahoma offense, but they did, and they just outscored them in what amounted to a basketball score in a playoff football game. And it was that defense that held them back. So they hired a new defensive coordinator named Alec Grinch. They brought him over from Washington State. And... I knew him from my tours from Washington State, so I knew he had some interesting things. And when I went out there to visit them just the first time around, sure enough, Coach Grinch was talking about the things he was doing to turn this defense around, and one of them was a huge emphasis on takeaways. And he has ways that he teaches how to, t- how to accomplish getting takeaways. Um, one small one, but that creates kind of a mindset, is that he had a, uh, a poll – with a spring on it that would just stick straight out to the side and a football was mounted on that spring. I saw that at Washington State. I'm like, what in the world is that? And what happens is it was placed at Washington State uh, just outside of the door where you come out of the locker room to go to the practice field. And on the way out, every defensive player smashes that ball on that spring, and it's a heavy spring. On the way back in, they smash that ball. It's a mindset that when you see a ball, you smash the ball. Well, sure enough, he had that same thing at the meeting room at Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's defense, sure enough, that year got a lot better. And this year could be Oklahoma's best defense, um, you know, that they've had in many, many years, in part because of the aggressive mindset and the skilled techniques of taking the ball away that Grinch has been teaching that the players have finally gotten onto the field. So these are things that, you know, I never would have known that about Grinch had I not seen him at Washington State. And walked out to the practice field and, and seen a, a pole with a football on a spring, right? <laughs> so, that, the, so you ask the question, of how do you know which ones you want to go with? Well, Oklahoma Oklahoma's a, a national team. Everybody knew that the defense needed to get much, 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 much better. Can they? So I went onto the field with some of the defensive um, captains, players, stars, and they showed me what they were doing from a standpoint of stripping the ball. And we did demos of things like that with our camera crew. And that was just tremendous fun, and that became very relevant because people care about that, right? People care about whether Clemson's defense is that bad or if they can be really good. People care about whether Cincinnati actually is a a, a contender for the national championship, or at least for the playoff, right? People care about this stuff. So that's where we try to go with our choices, Which, which guys, which teams, and which scenarios are relevant on a national level.
2: All right, he is Trevor Maddich, ESPN. Trevor's college football tour aired last weekend on ESPN as well as ESPN2. And uh, he visited Clemson, Georgia, Cincinnati, and Oregon. And I understand, you know, the Clemson factor, Georgia, and, and you're high on Cincinnati. And we saw what they did last year. They were, what, were, were number nine in the country heading into that Sugar Bowl, uh, basically undefeated. And they gave Georgia everything they wanted in that game. But Oregon. Why, Oregon, did you concentrate on them this year?
0: The reason for Oregon was two things. One is that they have a much better team out there than people think. Last year, they um, finished like 25th in the nation. They, they looked good some games. They struggled in the other games. They started late because of COVID, all kinds of problems. They won the Pac-12, but they haven't ranked 25th in the nation at the time they, you know, as soon as they won the Pac-12. So, um, you know, but I knew that Oregon was going to be better this year than people thought. And sure enough, they're a very complete team. As a matter of fact, as I'm talking to people out there on the phone, which I would have done, you know, in person had I driven out there, uh, you know, I asked him, well, okay, so on offense, where, where do you need to get better? What well, where's, where's the, the place on offense that might be a bit of a weak spot that you need to watch? He said, nowhere. Nowhere, man. We're, we're strong everywhere. And we talked about that whole thing. Same way with the defense. I said, okay, where on, we're on defense do you need to get better? And that's important to me because when the season goes on, if, if they do get better in that spot, I could point out why. I could say, yeah, I said the corner, we aren't that good. Account. Then I can show, hey, they just beat USC and look at how the corners sh- shut down the USC receivers. And, you know, we didn't expect that to happen. So, so I knew Oregon would be good. But I also knew that Kayvon Thibodeau, their defensive end, Wants to win the Heisman Trophy, and I knew that he's good enough to be only the second primarily defensive player in history to win the Heisman Trophy, to go with Charles Woodson of excuse me of Michigan. And so, uh, so I wanted to talk to I wanted to highlight Oregon, but as kind of the the cherry on top, I wanted to talk to Kayvon Thibodeau. So we did, and the breakdown that I showed of Thibodeau in the in the Um, uh, special. I almost had to laugh when I put that together because of how he was abusing people. One of the plays we used was simple enough. I mean, he beat USC left tackle Elijah Vera Tucker for a sack like he wasn't even there. And Vera Tucker became the first round draft choice of the Jets this year. He was the 14th pick in the draft. And Thibodeau had a monster stat game and a monster impact game against the guy that a few months later became the 14th pick in the draft, right? And so what he does to these people is kind of fun, is kind of funny. So I wanted people to really get an idea of why Thibodeau actually is a threat to win the Heisman Trophy. And he'll have his big showcase in week two at Ohio State. It'll be very interesting to see if the Buckeyes can handle this guy.
2: Well, tell the Oregon coaching staff uh, where they need to get better is in the kicking department because that kicker was atrocious oh, last year.
0: That's fair. Yeah, they, they think they're going to be better there, though. They, you know, they, they think they're going to be okay, but that, that's actually a very good call.
1: You know, I found it interesting when you were telling the story about the football in the spring and everybody smashing it to get that mentality. It actually made me smile because all of a sudden I thought of Peanut Tillman being a Bears fan and how he probably did something like that. But have you ever run into a situation when you're doing one of these things where a school has come some kind of little secret thing like that or something that they do? where they don't necessarily want you filming it and let every other coach in the country know that, hey, you know, maybe we can implement this too or something, or most schools just so happy about, hey, this is something that we've discovered that they're, they're willing to show it off and say, yeah, this works for us, and they're not worried about somebody else maybe doing it because they think they do it better or they do it right already.
0: Yeah, that's actually something that we're very careful with when we go out there. And I, and I tell the coach that what we don't want to do is reveal something to opposing coaches that they didn't know we want to talk about things that opposing coaches already know opposing coaches already knew that that grinch was going to teach aggression at the ball and try to create more takeaways i mean he's talked about that forever going back multiple coaching stops so they already knew that but fans got the opportunity to come inside the program and see something that they didn't really know about and that that Football in a spring was pretty funny. And then with the, with the players, to get to know them a little bit, watch tape with the players, and then go out on the field with them and do some demos. You know, those are things that oppose, op- opponents already know about, but that allows fans to come inside and see something in a way that maybe they hadn't considered before. So, really, that's what we're trying to do. But we, I'm very careful with the coaches in this thing to make sure that they know that we're not 60 minutes, man. We're not looking to stick a camera around the corner and see a whiteboard with a secret play drawn up that they're going to use in the opening weekend. And, you know, then then we have to worry about that, you know. So um, that that's important because during the regular season, when I see it on tape, I'll say whatever I want to say. There is an example of, of that part of it, too. Uh, what comes to mind, and there have been other things like this, but this comes to mind right now, going way back to when Rich Rodriguez was coaching West Virginia, and he had Pat White. And, you know, it was when the, the hurry-up zone read was new in college football, and it was super hard for defenses to defend. And I'm watching – how uh, West Virginia crushed everybody. And then all of a sudden, USF, University of South Florida, was all over Pat White. No matter what he tried to do, they were right there, almost as if they knew what was going to happen before the snap. So I'm watching that play. I'm watching that game, and I'm watching Pat White. And what I'm noticing is that Pat White would do a false cadence so he could get the defense to declare what they're going to do. Then they would get the play a new play in from the sideline because the false cadence made the safety come up and the outside linebacker go back, right? A new play would come in. they call a play to attack the weak spot of the, the, what before had been a disguise. But there was no weak spot against USF. Why is that? So I noticed that as Pat White was doing his false cadences, when it was about to be the real cadence... His right hand went to his towel, and he just rubbed the corner of his towel just to make sure his hand was ready, right? It was like a, an involuntary thing. He didn't even notice he was doing it. But it looked like USF was watching that. They had seen it on tape. And so they didn't come out of their disguise until Pat White went to the, the, the towel with his hand. So they anticipated that the play would go to the place that the disguise dictated was the weak spot. Instead, they rolled into the real defense, which was where they anticipated the play would go because that's where the disguise dictated. So um, the next – no, I wasn't told that by any defensive coach. I just saw that. So I did a breakdown on it. And the next week, Pat White was crazy with his hand. In other words, he was all over the place pre-snap. He was doing the false cadence. He was grabbing the towel. He was not grabbing the towel. He was touching his knee. He was doing all kinds of stuff because that spilled the beans. And any other coaches that were going to use that, too, they were busted. They couldn't use it anymore. And it's not because somebody told me and, and I told the nation. It's because I saw the same thing on tape that USF saw. So this is the difference between me seeing something on tape and somebody else revealing a secret. You don't you don't reveal secrets from coaches. Right. But if you see it, everything's game.
2: You got it. All right. He's he's the perfect guy to break it on down. Trevor Maddich, uh, Trevor's college football tour, fantastic stuff. Uh, Trevor, before we let you go and you put your NFL hat on, one of your former teams here, Bill Belichick. What are you going to do, Cam Newton,
0: Mac Jones? Call it. Cam Newton. Let Mac Jones work his way in. Give him some meaningful snaps in the second and third quarters when he shows that he's ready put him in, but the worst thing you can do with a young quarterback is think he's ready, start him, and then if he's not ready, then bench him and wait for a while before you put him back in. That's, that's terrible for his psyche. So if it's at all close, let Cam play and work the kid in. I think Cam's going to have a good season anyhow if he stays healthy.
2: What do you think about Mac Jones? We talked a lot about him last year. You saw him at Alabama, you know, bided his time. He's had a great preseason, too, and Belichick seems to love him.
0: Yeah, he's the anti-tua. At Alabama, Tua was an instinctual monster. He just he just felt where the ball needed to go. He'd be looking one way, turn the other, and let it fly. Well, Mac Jones got to the same place at Alabama, but with methodical precision and progression. So he would turn one way, he'd see what the defense was doing, and know that the guy on the other side was going to be the one to go to, and then he'd go to it for a different reason than Tua would. Tua did it because he felt it. And Mac Jones, I think that made it – easier for jones to transition to the nfl than it did for tua because now he just has to apply the same principles with a more complex system he is trevor
2: madich uh love it brother uh great stuff great breakdown we'll be watching this weekend because we have a full slate of college football it starts week one you know we had some games last weekend but this is it for real and uh can hardly wait to talk with you uh during the course of the season my man
0: yeah, i appreciate it man i'll be on uh, halftime of the wednesday night game i'll be on Thursday Night Sports Center, Saturday Morning Sports Center. Stay tuned. All right, we'll let you get back and
2: dance. So crank it up, man, as we get on out of here to the top of the hour. He's Trevor Maddich. He's fantasy. He's BYU. He's a 15-time Emmy Award winner. And he's got dance moves that he learned at Rio Americana High School.
1: And, and we just found out that Pat White had a quarterback version of a towel. That's right.
2: <laughs> That's true. Breaking it down like nobody else can, Trevor Maddich. Tony Fisher's going to join us. We go live to Green Bay And we'll get the latest with Aaron Rodgers as the Packers done with training camp. And they've got their opener coming up here in two weeks. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, happy Monday to
1: you.